Good evening, ladies. You guys have a good day today? Tonight, we're going to be in Philippians. Oh, thank you. Any other gifts? Thank you so much. Um, Okay, tonight, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. I'm just praying. Don't bring me. You guys don't have to get me anything else for the the weekend's over. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Is this that shirt that I liked earlier? Yes, it is. I need to mention what I like a little more often. That was pretty cool. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. And Paul says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Uh, We're talking about freedom this weekend. Tonight we're going to be talking about the freedom to be able to think the way God calls us to think. Um, Several years ago I I read a story about a 92-year-old Christian woman who was legally blind, and in spite of her limitations, she was always neatly dressed, and her hair was carefully brushed, her makeup was tastefully done, and every morning she would, she would just be eager to wake up. Just had a good, good, great uh, spirit about her. After her husband of 70 years died, it became necessary for her to move into a home um, to where she could receive proper care, and one day a, a neighbor drove her there and guided her into the lobby, uh, but her room wasn't ready. So she waited patiently in the lobby for several hours. When an attendant finally came and got her, she smiled sweetly as they got her to the, to the elevator. And the staff member began to describe her room to her, including the new curtains that had been hung and the windows. And she just declared, I love it. I love it. The, lady, the staff member said, but Mr. Jones, you haven't seen your room yet. The attendant replied, that doesn't have anything to do with it. She said, happiness is something you choose. Whether I like my room or not does not depend on how my room is arranged. It depends on how my mind is arranged. Tonight we're going to talk about arranging our minds. You know, sometimes I think we forget that emotions are a choice. You know, they they can come unexpectedly, but but, 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 but they are not, we are not um, subject to them. That they are not dependent on how our lives are arranged, but they are dependent on how our minds are arranged. So how is your mind arranged? This is such an important question, uh, but it's also a hard question because if you're anything like me, the arrangement of your mind is a struggle. Amen? And God knows that. We see him address it over and over again in scripture. There's so many verses that deal with the mind and the fact that how it functions has everything to do with how we function. But here's the deal. We, we are not just innocent bystanders when it comes to this. Even though sometimes it feels like we have no control over what our mind does, the scripture teaches us differently. Now, please, let me give you a caveat. I'm not talking about clinical depression or anxiety or anything like that. So we're, we're, we, I, I, for, if you, you've heard me teach enough to know I believe in Jesus and therapy. Amen? Um, and, and medication and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm specifically talking about those of us who just, just worry. Um, and, and, you know, we haven't been diagnosed or anything, but we just struggle with this. Though I think that could apply to, to all of that. God can heal all. Amen? Amen. Um, but Scripture teaches us differently that we're not, just, we, we're not just innocent bystanders when it comes to this. In fact, this is what Paul's addressing here in this final chapter of Philippians. He's starting to close out his letter, but he wants to leave them with some final advice. 
my Bible calls this chapter Paul's practical counsel. So I want to uh, tonight give practical counsel that Paul leaves the Philippians with. And his practical counsel, he's not dealing with what they say. He's not dealing with where they go. He's not dealing with who they hang out with. He's dealing with one thing, how they think. Why? Because he knows that how your mind functions will determine how you function. So he's about to teach them how they need to arrange their mind if they want to make it, if they want to thrive. He's saying, this is what you have to do. Three things. Stop worrying. Start praying. And stay dwelling. Stop worrying. Start praying. And stay dwelling. Let me pray for us. God, we, uh, we turn our attention to you. We turn our eyes to you this evening. Lord, would you speak? Your children have come for a word. And if you do not speak, we have come for nothing. So Lord, speak. We are listening in Jesus' name, amen. First thing Paul tells us to do, how we arrange our minds, says stop worrying. He says, Philippians 4, 6, he says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Now, I know uh, that sounds impossible, and yet he's telling us this as a command. He's saying how you need to, to arrange your mind. He's saying kick worry out. Don't worry about anything. Now, he's telling this to persecuted Christians. He's saying this while he himself is in prison. And still he confidently says to them, don't worry about anything. This word worry means to be pulled in different directions. Isn't that a good way to think about what worry does to us? It pulls us in different directions. It creates a chaos in the heart and the mind and in our lives. It, it brings a disorder. In fact, do you know how Webster defines worry? It says it's a mental distress resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. You hear that? It's a mental distress from something that has not happened yet. This is why the Bible uses the Greek word for being pulled apart, because to worry is to place your mind in the future with your body still being in the present. There's a, there's a division there. There's a discord there. So in order for me to worry, I have to disconnect my mind from my present peace in order to envision my, envision my future pain. Do y'all see that? So, so, so that's what we're doing when we're, we are disrupting the peace of today by creating scenarios of pain for tomorrow. Worry is to create scenarios of pain in our minds. That's what we're doing oftentimes. You see, when, I, when I'm constantly worried about my job, I'm worried because I think if I lose my job, I won't be able to pay rent. If I can't pay rent, I'll get kicked out of my apartment. If I get kicked out of my apartment, I'll have nowhere to live. And the scenario goes on and on and on from there. Am I right? And that's how we live our days, allowing our minds to dwell on rabbit trails of potential pain, trying to simultaneously manage both the present and the future. And Paul says, stop. He says, don't do that. Don't worry about anything. Don't pull yourself apart like that. Don't divide your, your mind and soul like that. Why? Because just like we were not created to physically exist in both the future and the present, at the same time, we were not made to mentally or emotionally exist there either. And because we were not created to occupy both spaces, every time we attempt to do so, we have to realize that we are sacrificing something. You see, we think, and I'm talking about myself here, that we are preparing ourselves, right? I play out these scenarios in my mind to mentally prepare myself for what could go wrong. But here's the deal, y'all. We are not actually preparing ourselves. What we're doing is torturing ourselves. And I, this message is for me, torturing ourselves. Because we think, what we think is preparation is really deprivation. Because every time we attempt to mentally prepare ourselves for what could go wrong then, we are simultaneously depriving ourselves of all that is right now. Did, I, did you all hear that? 
Every time we, we attempt to mentally prepare ourselves for what could go wrong, then we are simultaneously depriving ourselves of all that is right now. We are depriving ourselves of all of right now joy, of his right now peace, of his right now grace. What feels like self-preparation from harm is actually self-deprivation of hope. And maybe you say, well, I can't see any hope right now. I don't feel like I'm depriving myself of hope right now. There is no peace right now around me. There is no joy around me. And maybe you say your current situation is that bad. Can I tell you I get it? But can I also tell you, it's there. There's some hope there. There's some peace there. There's, there's some activity of God there. But we have to stop worrying long enough sometimes to grab onto it. A couple years ago, I was actually supposed to be up here speaking at Hume Lake. And uh, maybe a month or so before, um, the lupus started to attack my, suddenly. My, my nervous system, and I lost feeling from my feet, from my knees down. And I was in hospital, and they were trying to figure out what was going on, and, and they poking me with needles. I couldn't feel anything. I wasn't paralyzed, but I, my peripheral nerves were just shot, numb. I couldn't, my feet felt like 10-pound weights each. It was, um, I don't know how to describe it better, but it was horrible. And I'm in the hospital, and I'm just like, I need to figure out what's wrong with me. I need to figure out what's wrong with me. I'm just gotta, you know, I'm, that's where my mind was. I'm worried. I'm thinking about all these things and I'm worried about everything that could be happening. And they said, we need to go do an MRI uh, to check your brain, um, to see what's going on, if your brain is doing this or whatever. So we need to do an MRI of the whole entire body. So they put me in this MRI machine. I was an MRI machine for two hours. Yeah. And yeah. I thought I could take it. It was pretty rough towards the end of those two hours. And I had my worship music playing, but it was a, it was a rough two hours. And um, I get back to the, to the room, and the doctor comes in with the results the next day, and um, he starts to tell me, now, well, Tiana, you had the most boring MRI I've ever seen. <laughs> and he was attempting to encourage me. We didn't find anything wrong with your brain. But in that moment, I could not receive anything that he was saying. I was like, okay, great, that's, that's, that's ruled out. Now find out what's wrong with me. You know, like in, instantly, I could not receive anything he was saying. It was just like, I need to know what's wrong with me. Great, check that off. Let's go run these more tests, do all this stuff. There was so much anxiety and there was so much worry because this stuff, it was spreading and I didn't know how much of my feeling I was gonna lose. And so I was worried about it. And as um, he left, um, the Lord, I heard the Lord say to me, they didn't find anything in MRI, MRI of your whole body. And I was thinking, I didn't expect them to find anything with that. I, I wasn't even worried about that necessarily. But they said, no, they, they could have found something, Tiana. And I felt the Lord say to me, you know how many people are walking around right now with a brain tumor and they have no clue? How many people are walking around right now with an aneurysm about to burst and they have absolutely no clue? There's grace here, Tiana. I didn't want to see it. I didn't feel like I could, but he was like, there's grace here, Tiana, there's hope there. And in that moment, I realized, yes, I cannot feel my legs, but I can feel my hands. I cannot feel my legs right now, but I'm still able to talk. There is no brain tumor in my brain. And in that moment, I began to look for the hope that was around me, even though it felt like a hopeless situation. Right now, I was in my right mind. Listen, I know life is hard for some of you, but right now, what do you see that can give you hope? Sometimes that's all, we got, that's all we can do to hold on. When our worry is going crazy, when our anxiety is going crazy, what do you see right now that can give you peace? How is God moving? Little things that'll give you confidence that he can do it again. 
but he, he can move in other ways as well. Does that make sense? Paul says, we have to stop worrying. We have to ground ourselves in today, and we have to stop abandoning our current peace to envision ourselves in future pain. Why? Because it's fruitless. Worry is fruitless. It produces nothing, and it takes everything. It takes everything. Paul says you cannot add one hour of your life to work with worry. Not, nothing. So if we can't do nothing with it, why don't we give it over to the one who can? See, the second thing he says, he says, don't, don't worry. Get that part. And he says, start praying. Start praying. He says in verse 4, 6 through 7, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He says, worry about nothing, but instead, in everything, pray. Then a peace that you will not be able to understand will guard your hearts and minds. Paul says, if you want peace, pray. 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 This word peace means to join or bind together that which is broken or divided. Did you hear that? He says, don't worry about anything, but don't be divided in anything, but in everything pray, you will behold no more division, no more being tortured back and forth in your mind. The wholeness of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. His word guard is his idea of a Roman soldier holding his weapon to prevent a hostile invasion. So Paul is saying, if you want peace and wholeness to guard against the hostile invasion of anxious thoughts that divide and bring chaos and in everything, pray. Now that sounds too simple. And if, if anybody here been in a room where it's just like, yeah, it don't really work like that. Am I right? That situation where it just, it just, it just doesn't really work like that. But here's what I, here's what I think. I think it does sound unbelievable. And I think we struggle with it. And it is not always, doesn't always feel this easy. But sometimes I wonder, how often do we actually really live in this space? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how often do we actually, like, live in this space where we are just giving it over to God and constantly stop worrying? And we are constantly doing what the Scripture actually tells us. Because here's the deal. Prayer is hard. Because a lot of us, for a lot of us, prayer feels like we're giving up. Right? It feels like we are not doing anything, especially if we have control issues. <laughs> I mean, think about it. To leave something in the hands of someone else and walk away does not feel like you're doing anything. In fact, it feels right downright negligent at times. I'm, I'm not taking care of what I need to be taking care of. Why does it feel that way? Because we live under the illusion that we have control. And as long as we live under the illusion that we have control, we are supposed to have control, then we will never see prayer as a first option, but as a last resort. It's what we do after we've done everything that we can. But prayer was never meant to be our last option. In fact, when it comes to keeping our mind at peace, Paul is like, this is your only option. So what does it look like to pray? What is Paul talking about? Maybe we're, we need to think about this differently. Prayer, when it comes to this verse, three different things I see in this verse. Talking with God, asking of God, and giving thanks to God. Um, and when you say talking, really prayer is just being with him. It's just being with him. It's crazy, though. Sometimes we confuse worry with prayer, meaning just because something is on my mind constantly, it does not mean that I've actually brought it to the Lord. Yes, he knows. He knows. But have we actually engaged with him on the matter, entered into dialogue with him about it, whatever it is that's trying to divide me? Because here's the thing. We can use worry to carry the weight, or we can use worry to release the weight. You guys, worry is an invitation to release. It's an invitation to get whatever it is off of your chest and into his hands. So for me, I love to do imaginative prayer. 
I don't know if you guys have done that, but there's just this something about closing my eyes when I'm in an anxious space, taking deep belly breaths in, four to six count in, six to eight count out, four to six count in, six to eight count out. And as I'm doing this, I know through studies I am um, engaging my parasympathetic nervous system, which I know releases, uh, stops the stress hormones from being released in my body. I'm no longer engaging the fight, flight, or freeze mode that comes with anxiety and worry. So as I take these deep belly breaths, my body is doing what God called it to do, doing what God created it to do, and it is releasing me from the stress. And then I go to a safe space. I go to, uh, for me, there's a Columbia Gorge in, in Oregon, a place where I sat and just stared at the water and Jesus met me. And I go there, deep breaths, and I imagine Jesus sitting right there next to me. And I lay my head on his shoulder. And from that space, I just talk to him. Sometimes I just sit with him. And I take these breaths, and I allow my body to do what he created it to do to disengage my, my stress and to engage my parasympathetic nervous system. It fights anxiety, it fights worry, and I engage with God. How many of us actually sit and do that? There's a reason why God says prayer is a big deal. The, science and Jesus are really not that difficult, like that hard to put together. When you understand it and study it, he says pray. And naturally, your body starts to release the stress hormones. Do that. Prayer, do you know it increases the level of dopamine in the brain? Studies have shown dopamine is the hormone associated with happiness. It's the same hormone released when your brain, when, your brain, when you eat chocolate. And we all know we can eat some chocolate. But as we pray, as we meditate, in the presence of the Lord, because you obviously can meditate on a lot of things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sitting with Jesus thinking on a scripture, engaging the system in our bodies that he created us with. We are releasing, he releases hormones into us that help us to steady and regulate our bodies. There's studies that show the brain, uh, people who meditate or pray within two weeks, there were detectable changes in their brains. And after two months, there, there were systemic changes in both their brain and immune system. For some example, one example, they developed more antibodies to a flu virus. How many of us need antibodies in this season? In this season? They, did, they developed more antibodies than their other colleagues who did not meditate or pray. This is how God has wired our bodies. Pray, and the peace of God comes. It's spiritual, and then God has created our bodies to join with that. Isn't that crazy when you think about it? Pray, be with God, talk to God, ask of God. What is your need? Bring it to him, be specific. Bring it to him, be specific. But here's the deal about asking of God, and I can't go into this tonight, but there's a, I have a message online that, that, that goes into this, uh, living as a beloved, but it goes into what it means to ask of God. But, but, but here's the thing I was asking of God. He wants us to pray, and he wants us to ask of them, and bring us our worries, the things we're struggling with. But the problem is, most of us get so attached to our ask because we think we know what we need, right? 
We get so attached to our ask that we begin to vilify God for his answer. If it's not what we want, he becomes the villain. So when God says ask, when we pray, it is to ask. The posture is asked to, to, to understand, that, understand our limited capacity to recognize what's actually good for us. We're humans. We have a limited capacity. Does, does that make sense? We don't know everything. He is the God of creation. So at the posture of every prayer, when God says, bring this to me in prayer, the posture of every prayer is to ask while being humbled by my humanity and surrendered to his divinity. The posture of every prayer is to ask by being, while being humbled by my humanity and surrendered to his divinity every time I approach prayer. God, I, I'm, I'm asking for this, but I know I'm human. I know I don't fully understand everything. I know you see the big picture. So God, I'm, I'm humbled right now by my humanity. And I'm trusting in your divinity, God, that if this thing that I'm asking for is not for me, that you are still good, that you will still take care of me. You will give me exactly what I need. Be with him, talk to him, ask of him from that posture. It's different than how we usually ask, right? We want to get upset at God when God doesn't give us what we want, but this is how are we asking is it changes everything. Humbled by humanity and at the same time surrendered to his divinity. We have to approach everything. So be with God, talk to God, ask God. This is how prayer looks like and then give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. So by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request to God. I think this is one of the most important parts of prayer because to worry is to... We don't do it intentionally, but in some ways, to worry is to ignore God's promise to be faithful. That's what it is at its root. You see, in order for me to worry about my finances, I have to, in my mind, push aside God's promise to provide. And I understand that there are real situations, but there's this wrestling that comes with us, right? In order to, 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 to worry about, about my, my health, I have to push aside God's promise that, that I can do all things through him strengthens me. I have to completely put that out of my mind and just to dwell on this has to be done. I have to be healthy. But God says you can do all things. No matter the, the, the suffering that comes in your life, Paul says I was able, I'm able to, 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 to do both, suffer and to, and to do well. So Christ says you're able to do all things. And so we have to sit with that. To worry is to push those things aside. To worry is to, is to, 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 to negate the things that God has spoken over us. The, the, thing about, the things that are true about his character and his promises and his faithfulness. And so God says, with thanksgiving. See, what thankfulness does is it aligns our mind back with the character of God. It aligns our mind back with the heart of God towards us. The mindfulness awareness research of UCLA stated that gratitude changes the neural structures in the brain. It changes the neural structures in the brain to, and makes us feel happier and more content. As they're studying the brain, this is what it does. Feeling grateful, appreciating others when they do something good, it triggers the good hormones and regulates effective functioning of the immune system. Being grateful, it, it, it studies shown, it improves self-esteem, helps you sleep better, it enhances empathy and reduces aggression, it, it, it reduces anxiety and depression, it, it reduces level of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. By merely acknowledging and appreciating the things in life, we can rewire the brain to deal with the present circumstances with more awareness and broader perception. Why am I saying this? Because all throughout scripture, God tells us, give thanks unceasingly. Give thanks. 
give thanks, give thanks. And this, in this passage with anxiety where he says, give thanks, give thanks, be thankful. Why? Of course he wants us to give thanks because he's worthy of it and, and thanking him is acknowledging our need of him. But the beautiful thing about God is that as he gets his praise and he gets his gratitude that he is due, in his divine grace, he has also created our brains to benefit from it too. Isn't that amazing? He's created our brains to benefit when we live in a space of gratitude. You do this easily by just getting a gratitude journal. When you're sitting in a moment of anxiety and stress and worry, what has God done for you? How do I write this down? You know, when you actually write with a pen and paper, it triggers a part of your brain that tells you to pay attention. A particular activity system tells you to pay attention to what's writing, and it helps you to remember it. When you write with pen and paper, I tell people this all the time, get a, get a journal and write down, what am I grateful for? In the middle of my stress, God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this. And allow the body, your body to do what God's created it to do. And you may not feel it right then all the time, but it is faithful. He's faithful. And as you put these things in your mind, as you start to remember what God's doing, what it does is also encourage your spirit that, God, if you've done it before, if you've done it before, somehow, some way, you will show up again. Sometimes I have to pull out my gratefulness just so I can remember what he's done and encourage me because what the enemy wants to do is blind you only to focus on your current situation and your current circumstance and to make you forget all about God's faithfulness and what he's done. Paul says, stop, wor stop, stop worrying and start praying. Start bringing these things before the Lord. Start living in gratefulness. This is what he's telling us to do. Talk to God, ask, ask of God, give thanks to God. Every time you have a chance to worry, stop. Talk to God, ask of God, give thanks to God. When fear comes up, stop. Talk to God, ask God, give thanks of God. And then the wholeness of God. God, bring me back into alignment. Just give me a little bit of hope just for today. The last thing he says, arrange your mind, is to stay dwelling. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellent, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. This word dwelling is a deliberate and prolonged contemplation, as if one's weighing a mathematical problem. Paul, he's saying, finally, brothers and sisters, I want you to deliberately, and in a prolonged way, contemplate only on the things that are true. I want you to deliberately, and in a prolonged way, contemplate only on the things that are honorable, only on the things that are just and pure and lovely. Focus on these things. Spend significant time there. Don't stray. Dwell. Stay right there, thinking about things that are praiseworthy and commendable. Keep your mind right there. Can you imagine what would happen if we actually lived like that? If we actually lived like that, only thinking about true and honorable things, the peace that we would feel. And most of us can't imagine it because we don't do it, right? Why? Because it doesn't come natural to us. That does not come natural. For most of us, thinking this way does not come natural to us. And so in order for us to do this, we have to go around the natural order of things. One thing I have learned is that if, if it comes natural to Tiana, to Tiana, do the opposite. <laughs> That's how I live my life now, because I understand myself, and I understand the things, the trauma that I come with all of a sudden. If it comes natural to me, this is probably not the right thing to do. And even though I know I've been made in the image of God, I have been marred by sin and trauma and pain. And so though I'm healing and learning to come back to living from my God image, I have to recognize there's a sin nature. 
It's our natural bent. And so that is why this is hard, because it takes more effort to go against something that comes natural to you. It's like a current in the water. When you're swimming with a current, you are going in whatever direction it takes you in, and whatever direction comes natural to that current. Y'all, our thoughts are like currents. Currents of, 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 of sometimes sin and worry and anxiety and all these things. And if we are not careful, they can lead us to places we do not want to go. How I've done this in my life is I've learned to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. I, um, I struggled with bad thoughts, low self-worth, and one day I felt the Lord tell me, I want you to write down all the thoughts you're thinking today. I wrote down the thoughts that I think of today as much as I could think, and I looked at the list and it was depressing. And I was just like, God, no wonder why you're so depressed. No wonder why you feel that way, because I actually started paying attention to what I was thinking. And so then I started watching throughout the day, paying attention to what I was paying attention to. You know what helped me do this? Yoga. Because I started yoga, and I'm doing yoga through YouTube, and the lady would say, every five minutes she would say, relax your jaw. I'd be like, how'd she know my jaw was tight? <laughs> so then I go back and I get into the next pose, and then like five minutes later, she's like, relax your jaw. And I'm like, what? The how does she know my jaw? Again, I had no clue. So then throughout the day, I started paying attention to my jaw. And I would, I would check, check your jaw. And my jaw was tight. 30 minutes later, check your throat. My jaw was tight. I had no clue how much I was realizing that was causing my headaches and my neck pain. But I had no clue until I stopped and paid attention to it. We, do not, we don't do that with our thoughts. And a lot of times, they are just a current going. And we are just flowing with it. Flowing with the negativity, flowing with the anxiousness, flowing with the worry. We're not even thinking about it, but what if we started paying attention to what we're paying attention to? I realized that day I had to start paying attention to my thoughts, at least if I was going to get anywhere worth going, that, that my journey of actually engaging my thoughts intentionally, they had to start now. I no longer could let my mind passively assault me. Listen, some of you tonight, some of us need to start swimming against the current. Y'all, if we are going to arrange our mind in a way that glorifies God, it is not going to happen by accident. And we definitely cannot be lazy. It's going to be a calculated effort. It has to be intentional. But here's the best part. We don't have to do it alone. We have the Holy Spirit. And he's given us specific things to think on, things that are lovely and pure and praiseworthy and true and dwell on them. He tells us not just to do it because he wants us to, but because it actually benefits us. Scientific studies show that positive thinking, what it does to your brain, increases your lifespan, lowers rates of depression, lowers levels of stress, greater resistance to the common cold, better cardiovascular health, and reduce, reduce risk of death and cardiovascular disease. From just thinking, making sure you're focusing on good things and pure things, even relational researchers. There's a book uh, Jenny, Jenny Allen wrote called Get Out of Your Head, if you have read it. If you haven't, it's a good book. Um, but relational researchers studied awe and beauty. They found that when we experience awe, we move towards others in beneficial ways. Whether it's a gorgeous song or beautiful mountainscape or when we're delighted by children's squeals as they run through the sprinklers it talks about in the backyard, we let go of our it's all about me fixation and we're freed to, from being the centers of our own world and just for a moment. In doing so, we become more invested in the well-being of others, more generous and less entitled. Isn't that amazing? By focusing on all y'all, there is so much at stake when it comes to what we allow our minds to dwell on. So we cannot afford to dwell on the wrong things. We have to see every current, every thought like a current, except we no longer just go where it naturally carries us. If we're going to take back our minds and, and keep our minds, then we have to learn to ask every single thought, where are you taking me? 
Are you taking me to joy or are you taking me to despair? Are you taking me to holiness or are you taking me to ratchetness? Are you taking me to love or are you taking me to hate? Taking me to sin or are you taking me to righteousness? Pay attention to where our thoughts are taking us and then we have to swim against that current, go in the opposite direction. Will it be hard? Yes. But we don't have to do it alone. We do not have to do it alone, so we have to all make a choice. We don't have to get passively assaulted by our thoughts. We don't have to spend our days thinking ourselves into despair. We just have to learn how to dwell on the right things. So y'all, let's start rearranging these minds of ours. No more tearing ourselves in two trying to manage our present and our future. Let's leave it with God in prayer. Come and sit with him. Engage this body that he's created us to, to work in a specific way. Dwell on his faithfulness. Remember his faithfulness. Because how your mind functions has everything to do with how you function. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. God, I, um, I thank you for your daughters. I thank you, God, that you have um, you've given us a body that functions in miraculous ways. And then you've given us your Holy Spirit. And God, there's so many of us that are just struggling daily with our thoughts. We are struggling daily with just worrying and anxiety and doubts and everything else. God, I pray that you would help us to remember we don't have to be passively assaulted. God, that you've equipped us You've equipped us with what we need. It's just going to take some intentionality and some trust. So, God, would you give us the strength to trust you? Would you give us the strength to give these things over to you in prayer? Would you give us the strength to remember how faithful you've been and to trust that you will be faithful again, no matter the situation? Help us to find the hope right here and now. Help us to find the peace right here and now. You are a good, good father. And we are loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen.